going to begin reading in verse 1 and read through to verse 12. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1. Let's all hear God's word. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high, the lofty city, he layeth it low. He layeth it low, even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of the judgments, O Lord, have we waited for Thee. The desire of our soul is to Thy name and to the remembrance of Thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly, and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Lord, When thy hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see, and be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. And God will add his blessing. The reading of his word for his name's sake. Now join with me, please, for a moment in prayer. Bow your, not just your heads, but your hearts. And ask God to give us all a word tonight. Let's all pray. Loving Father in heaven, we, we pause to acknowledge our dependence upon the Holy Spirit to preach and to hear thy word. We, we know, Lord, that the last thing we would want is to be left alone in this meeting. Thou hast promised to be amongst thy people. Thy name is Emmanuel, God with us. We pray that we will experience that afresh tonight, that thou art with us. Thou art moving from pew to pew and heart to heart. Particularly as we take up this topic before us on this area of struggle, The words that come from thine own lips, as it were, echo in our ears. Be still and know that I am God. May that be our experience tonight. Hearing the Lord say, be still, because I am God. Speak with a voice no one can miss. Everyone here will know. God has spoken with power, with wisdom, with grace. 
In Christ's name we pray it all. Amen and amen. I want to speak to you this evening on our struggle with worry. Our struggle with worry. I hesitate to take up this subject because I imagine that every Christian in the gathering tonight is an expert on worry. You know all about it. So why should I say anything? Many of us have become well acquainted with this matter of worry and the fear and the anxiety that always accompany worry. But because it is still an issue that adversely affects the people of God and indeed eats away at our joy, our happiness, our peace, and because I have never in my entire ministry ever preached a sermon from any text where worry has been the subject that some believer hasn't come up to me and said, that message was for me. I've heard that often at the doors of each meeting throughout this week. It wasn't because I knew anything about you, but I know one who does know everything about you. And each night he's come to deal with things with which you struggle, with which I struggle, and showing us how to deal with the struggle. I thought it should definitely take a place in any series of messages that is going to deal with the struggles of Christians. I want you to listen to the following quotes on the subject of worry and anxiety by various men, ancient and contemporary. Worry over tomorrow pulls shadows over today's sunshine. How true. Worry is an intrusion into God's providence. That wise governing and caring for His church. Worry is sin against the loving care of the Father. Worry has an active imagination. That rings home, doesn't it? Worry is faith, listen to this, worry is faith in the negative. Trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. How well put. Anxiety is the rust of life, destroying its brightness and weakening its power. And finally, the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. 
And the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. All of those insightful comments, they teach us wise things about our struggle with worry. We all know the verses that speak very directly to this heart trouble quite well. We've memorized them years ago. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Don't worry. Be careful for nothing. Be not full of care, of worry, anxiety for anything. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. Take no thought, no anxious thought for the morrow. For the morrow will take thought for itself. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's a command. Don't do it. How often God has spoken to us through the word about this worry, this anxiety, this fear that leaves us so often gloomy and depressed, exhausted, and anything but fruitful and useful. The scriptures are replete with instruction and warnings and promises about worry. Why? Because God knows right well it is a common struggle with his people like everything else we have been sharing this week. What have you been worrying about today? Now, come now, tell me, what have you been worrying about today? It's caused a little tick up in the blood pressure. Made you antsy. Perhaps shortened your temper. You're feeling the stress of some situation. And it keeps going over and over again in your mind. You're worried. Regardless of how familiar we are with those, can I call them anti-worry verses? Regardless of how many times we have learned and heard sermons about worry, about fear, no matter how many times the Lord has come and calmed our fear and our worries, we still, in various ways and various levels, struggle with it. My text is found this evening in verses 3 and 4. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. While those words were spoken to the children of Israel, it was for a hundred years down the road. Isaiah is prophesying to Israel when they're in captivity. 
And in context, it's spoken to encourage and to comfort the Lord's people as they were in captivity. But the truth it declares is timeless. So from this text, I want to speak on struggling with worry. First, the reality about worry is that it's a sin. The reality about worry is that it is a sin. Just let that sink down. It's not right. It doesn't please God. A mind that's fixed on God is a holy mind. A mind that is not fixed on God is sinning. Trusting in God is holy living. Doubting God, not trusting in God, is not pleasing to Him. The one thing you keep seeing throughout Scripture, both Old and New Testaments, by precept, by pattern, uh, by parables, by the narratives, the Lord keeps saying to His people, Just trust me. Just trust me. He really wants our trust. As we've been seeing all along throughout this conference, we have these struggles because there is a constant struggle between the spirit and the flesh. Worry is not simply a genetic issue. Oh, my dad was a worrier, so I'm a worrier too. It's not simply a matter of one's personality. I am not for a moment denying that genetics doesn't play in our personalities. But worry is a moral issue. And the last thing we want to do with any moral issue is to dismiss it lightly and say it's not really that important because then we're excusing sin. We're making light of that which Jesus Christ had to suffer on the cross for. Why is it a sin? First, worry is a sin because it dishonors the Lord. When we worry, we question God. We've got to see it in its true light. When we're worrying, anxiety and fear about some issue, whatever the issue is, fill in the blank again, we're questioning God. What do I mean by that? Well, are we not questioning His wisdom? Is God doing the wisest thing for me right now? Is this the best thing for me? It can be. So that's what worry is saying. This is not good. It questions His goodness. God is always good to His people. All the time He's good. 
So that particular thing that is troubling you, that's causing the anxiety, how and why has it come about? God has purposed whatever comes to pass. It's ordained from eternity that those particular set of circumstances, you would find yourself in them. Now, are we going to say because we find ourselves in unpleasant circumstances, trying circumstances, difficult, that God has stopped being good to us? But that's what we do when we worry. I just want tonight just to take off all the, the... the painting, we try to gloss over this sin of worry because you and I are not going to find any real lasting help if we treat it lightly, if we don't see it as the sin that it is and how it actually affects our walk with God. Sin questions his truthfulness. When we become so full of anxiety and fear and our mind is just racing a thousand miles a minute and we are expecting the absolute worst thing that could happen, the worst turnout, that is a denial of God's truth. It always ends good for the righteous. When we're worrying, we're walking away from that place of childlike trust in God. Anything that draws us away, anything that draws us away from trusting in God must be viewed as sin. Would you not agree with me on that? Anything. And certainly the source The source of all of this worry is the ancient sin of unbelief. You might say this is an extension of the message we heard a couple of nights ago. Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. That father was worried sick about his son. The problem was unbelief. If we who are the The children of God go about day by day or week by week or month by month gripped, gripped by worry and fear and anxiety. Let me ask you one simple question. Is that living by faith? And you know it's not. It's not living by faith. The just shall live by faith. But worry is very powerful. And it can really be a big stumbling block in our efforts to walk by faith. I repeated it a little bit ago. Take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow will take thought for itself. The Holy Ghost is saying plainly, do not worry about tomorrow. Whatever the thing is that you're worried about when tomorrow comes, do not worry about it. 
And you say, but I can't help it. Is that true? I can't help myself. Preacher, you don't understand what I'm facing. I don't need to understand what you're facing, nor does anyone else need to understand what you're facing. One thing I do know is God understands exactly what you're facing because He has brought into your life. What God commands us to do, He will give us the enabling power to do it. And as one divine said, His commands are His enablings. I want to ask those of you who are here for that message we dealt with. My, my grace, opening meeting, my grace is sufficient for thee. And I want to ask the question, is God's grace sufficient for your worry? Is it mighty enough to deal with the worry that's troubling you? You know the answer to it. And you must believe it. You must embrace it. Put that on that piece of paper if you went home and wrote it. Whatever the, 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 the thorn was in your flesh. Drop down and write, worry. And put before it, my grace is sufficient for my worry. Would you do that? How about putting it up on the fridge so you're continually reminded of it? Over the sink, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, wherever it is, at the workplace. It's a sin because it dishonors God. Worry is a sin because it's destructive to the worrier. Few things cause greater havoc in our life than persistent, continual gnawing, worry, fear, and anxiety. We could be worried about church work, worried about the things in your family and your marriage with your children. It doesn't, make, it doesn't really make what the circumstances are. It gnaws away and it wreaks havoc. How often has it been said that it is not work that kills but worry? It is not work that kills, it is worry. How true. Worry damages us mentally. It damages us physically. But it also damages us spiritually. Worry will rob us of peace and power and will place a barrier between our fellowship with God. Proof in point, how many times have you gone to the throne of grace with something that's really worrying you? And you told the Lord all about it. You're afraid. You're anxious. And you get up from the place of prayer and you walk away with the same worry. Must have been a breakdown there somewhere. Because you're to cast your burdens upon the Lord 
and he will sustain you. When you go to God, I'll say more about this a bit later, but when you go to God at the throne of grace and you cast that thing that's worrying you upon him, you leave it there. You've called upon the Lord in faith and the Lord upholds you and you don't get back up with the worry. You see what I mean when I say it comes in between us and the Lord, this fellowship with God? It disturbs our rest. It disturbs our rest. You don't sleep at night because you keep thinking about this thing. You toss and you turn. The first thing you do, you wake up in the morning, it's right there at the front of your thoughts. Worry has this tremendous, tremendous power to paralyze the child of God spiritually, mentally. It leaves the heart and mind wide open to the attacks of Satan. You're not walking in faith. You're not walking with childlike trust. Why, why would you not then become a primary target for Satan? You, the, the shield of faith isn't being lifted. The fiery darts come and they hurt. And you worry more. You become more pessimistic. You begin to think this, this is all bad. And you expect the worst outcome. And you don't look for things to get better. Worry is a sin, thirdly, because it hurts other people. It not only dishonors God, it not only is destructive to the worrier himself, but it also hurts other people. When, when we are known as a worrier, you ever heard that said? Oh, she's a worrier. He's a worrier. Your testimony is affected. As Christians, we who call ourselves believers, believers, and if the world looks at us and sees us acting in a way that says, you must not be a believer, or your God must not be the God that you claim Him to be, because if He was, you wouldn't be acting like this, you wouldn't be so worried. what stumbling blocks we must be to the very ones we want to show how great our God is, how good He is to us, how faithful He is to us. You know our children pick up on it. And I know you moms and dads don't want to raise warriors. You want this you want to see your children seeing parents who've put their trust in God and through thick and thin, no matter what happens, no matter what reversals, no matter what falls apart, mom and dad are still going on with God. They're still believing Him.
We believe in God. And yet we are still filled at times with worry and fear. On the other hand, when in the midst of the trial and the testing and, the, and all that's going bad, we display our trust in God, then what a wonderful testimony that is to the world. And they wonder, how are they doing that? Worry, in the fourth place, is a sin because it is exactly what the devil wants us to do. Have you looked at your worry like that? When I asked you a moment ago, what have you been worrying about today or the past week, the month, or whatever long it's been, has it struck you that you're doing exactly what Satan wants you to do? He does not want you trusting God. As much as he realizes what happens when his people pray, he also realizes what happens when his people trust him. He knows what the walk of faith can do. He doesn't want you to trust, have a childlike trust. He wants to see you fretting away about your situation. He laughs at it. He thinks it's funny. And I know that we do not want to give the devil any reason to laugh at us or our God. Anything that we knowingly allow in our lives that plays into the devil's hands is a sin. We are, to borrow the words of the apostle, we are giving place to the devil. Have you ever thought about your worry like this? In this light? How much damage it actually does? And you know there is no wand that gets waved when you come in those back doors to the church. What we are at home is going to have an impact on the gathering of God's people. You want to walk in each Lord's Day, childlike trust in your God. How foolish it is to worry. It weakens us on every level. It's foolish to worry because whatever it is, has been put into our path by God. And that means whatever has been put into our path by the plan of God, the promise is, I, I could ask you to quote it now audibly, together, Romans 8, 28. I'm not going to do that. You don't do those things in Northern Ireland. But I will tell you, you know it well, all things, He makes all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. All things means all things. The thing that's worrying you, that's robbing you of the peace, robbing you of that rest, and that armor shining brightly we sang about, all of it. Worry disturbs that. But God has said, it's going to work for your good. The thing you're so afraid of. What is it? What is it? 
The promise of God is, I will make that thing work together for your good. It's going to be beneficial to you, no matter how much it hurts, how much you don't like it, uncomfortable. Oh, I know what it is to quote the verse off by heart, but I also know what it is to be found facing something and worrying about it. How worry it is, how, how foolish it is to worry when the Lord has said, my grace is sufficient for it. How foolish it is to worry when God said, did he not, that he will be our guide even unto death. So why worry? It's a sin. Let's start there. Take it on board. If it's a sin, it's something we should hate. If it's a sin, it's something we have to war against as much as we have to war against inconsistent prayer lives, as much as we have to war against unbelief. We have to war against it. It's not to be taken lightly. It's a distrust of God. Now, secondly, the promise for our struggle with worry, according to our text, is peace. Verse 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Instead of being anxious, fretting, being fearful, you will have perfect peace. Now, the word perfect isn't in the Hebrew text. They had a way of doubling the word to stress it. Holy of holies is not in the Bible. Look for it long and hard, but you won't find it. Most holy place is, but even then it doesn't say most holy place. No, it says holy, holy. Emphasizing to a great degree, this is really holy. The word here, the two words are shalom, shalom, back to back. Peace, peace. Mighty, strong peace. Remember the prayer of Jabez? Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. It doesn't say that literally, bless me indeed. You know what it says? Oh, that thou wouldst bless, bless me emphasis. Great, extraordinary blessing. Therefore, this double peace speaks of a strong, abiding peace that is deep and full, and it is a killer of worry. It is a killer of worry. worry. And that's what we need Something that will kill the worry. Not something that will just tamp it down a little bit and we won't be as much worried. We want something. We need something that will kill it. Wouldn't you like to walk out tonight with something that has just killed your worry that you came in the door with? Sure you would. 
let me say first off what this peace is not. It doesn't mean, when I say a killer of worry, it doesn't mean that you will never ever again have an anxious thought. This is going to be a struggle you and I will have to face throughout our lives. But it should be getting better. Right? The faith should be growing stronger. And as faith grows stronger, we find that we don't worry as much as we did when our faith was very weak in the infant stage. But there's never going to come a day when, in your lifetime, that, okay, it's killed, gone forever. It's like pride. That was one of the thoughts that I was having in my mind as I was praying about what struggles that I should bring to this conference and deal with. And one of them that I struggled with was, should I preach on this struggle with pride? It's a big one, but the Lord didn't finalize that for me, but I've often thought of what Spurgeon said about pride. It does not die until we do. It will always be there, and we'll always have the struggle with worry. Anxious thoughts will arise. So I don't mean by this peace, peace, shalom, shalom, that it's going to be done away with forever. It does not mean that we will be free from the griefs and sorrows of afflictions of life. I'm not saying that at all. Do not forget that the people of God to whom Isaiah was preaching to had been taken from their homes and forced into Babylonian captivity. Read the 137th Psalm. I mentioned in the passing this week of how when the Babylonian army came in, they took their children and just crashed their skulls against the rock. They were hauled off into captivity. They lost their dignity. It was bad. Yet to those very people in the midst of that circumstance, this promise comes. This promised peace doesn't have the ability, and God never intended it to have the ability, to prevent persecution or poverty or sickness or bereavement or grief. But there is peace in the grief. You can find peace in the sorrow. Peace in the suffering. And not find worry. You know well that God has promised to send persecution. In the world you shall have tribulation. This perfect peace will not stop your loved ones from dying, nor will it remove the grief when they do die. It doesn't have any power to make the world and the flesh and the devil to go away and leave you alone. If we think that the, what men call the victorious Christian life is one where we live without any clouds in our skies or sadness in our hearts, if we think that's how it's supposed to be, then we are prophesying for ourselves a life of frustration and defeat. But what 
is this perfect peace, this shalom, shalom. What does it look like in real time? First, composure of mind. Composure of mind. And it must begin with the mind. God gets to the heart through the mind. I have sought every time your minister stands up and preaches, they seek to impart truth to your understanding, to your mind. It's got to go there first before it can sink down into the heart. The calmness of the mind. We act rashly when we stop thinking clearly and calmly because we're full of anxiety. It's crazy thinking, you know. Worriers, worriers. Now, don't take offense at what, what I'm about to say because I'm not separating myself from anybody. Worriers act insane. They act as if they are out of their mind. You know, it is, it is mindless. It's insanity to not trust God. It's insanity to not believe His Word as He reveals Himself to be in His Word. It's absolute craziness to think that that situation you're in is not going to work together for your good. That God is in absolute control of it, directing all the affairs of your life. All of it's been planned. He knows how it's going to end, and it's going to end good for you. Is that not insanity to think that's not true? When God, who cannot lie, has said it is true? Sure, it's crazy. But worriers, and again, I include myself in the lot, we act crazily when we're worrying. My dear brother, my dear sister, your worrying is insane. It is. I trust you're not offended by that. I trust that you will just take that on board. What that man's saying is right. I'm acting like someone crazy. But when God, when this peace, peace comes, the mind calms down. You become rational again. You start looking at your situation through the eyes of faith again. And once you do that, once the mind is now processing the truth that it's known perhaps for decades, and that what, that's what happens over and over again, we are brought back to uh, uh, unshakable truth, rock-bottom truth. And then, then things began to change. But it starts with the mind. You see, when we're worrying, peace of mind is anything but our experience. We don't sleep because our minds are going through this whole process and the situation again. But when you experience this perfect peace, 
you began to see clearly. You look at the same circumstances and think about them in an entirely different way. What happened? The circumstances didn't change. They're still the exact same ones, but now you're looking at them differently. You, you, you've changed, you've, <laughs> you've changed glasses. You put a different pair of glasses on. You know, when you're worried, you're, you're looking at things under uh, a microscope. It's so tiny, but in a microscope, it looks so big. We understand now that it's best to wait for God's time to deliver us whatever has been the source of our anxiety and not try to fix it ourselves. Because I will tell you, and I'm sure you could tell me, because we're all experts at this, nothing ever changes by worry in a positive direction. Nothing changed. Good. What changed you but it didn't help the situation, it only hurt it. So when peace comes, calmness of mind. Flowing from that, there is calmness of heart. The emotions, the, 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 the feelings of fear and anxiety about that situation just come calm down. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, Peace, be still. The blood pressure drops. The heart quits racing so quickly. The, the, the song that you lost comes back again. Because when you're worrying, you're not singing. You are not praising God. No, when we're worrying, we're moaning and we're complaining and all those things, but we're not praising the Lord. But you see this peace, peace puts a new song in your mouth, even praise unto your God, and you find yourself starting to sing again. You are walking through the house and you're pacing up and down, and what, what are we going to do? What if this happened and that and other? And now the burden has been lifted. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know, I know he watches me. What happened? Peace came from your mind, settling down, down into your heart, and calmed those emotions. And now you're free to sing again. 
There's something else that happens when this peace is the killer of worry. You're content with God's will. Too often the source of our anxiety, our fear, worry, we don't like what God's doing or not doing. Once you're there, you've begun to quarrel with God. And once you start quarreling with God, there's not going to be peace because you're quarreling. Quarreling is the absence of peace. When the peace of God fills the heart, it always moves us to put our weapons down, our arguing down, resisting God, and we become content with the circumstances, whatever they might be. There is this, this resignation to the will of God. All right, God has sent it. My first response is to worry about it and play the what-if game. But if God is who He says He is, if He is the God of providence, governing all His creatures on, and all their actions, then it's okay. I don't have to like it, but I don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about that thing you're worrying about. You don't need to do it. What you need is this peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and your mind. And then you resign yourself to it. It's okay. This is all right. It's going to work out how God wants it to work out. And if it's how God wants it to work out, why am I going to quarrel with God? Fourthly, there is a cessation of fear. How, how often do you read in Scripture the verses, Be not afraid, be of good courage, fear not, over and over again. Fear is such a destroyer of our peace, of our joy. But when the peace comes in, you know, the fear goes out the door. You're no longer afraid of the circumstances. You're no longer afraid of the outcome. Why should you be? Because now you're trusting God. Now you're believing that God is going to make this work together for good. He's planted for a very good, wise reason. I don't know what it is. I might never know what it is. But my God can only do good to me. He's always good, all the time. And once I believe that, well, at that point in time, what, what is there to be afraid of? He told me, don't be afraid. Fifthly, there's the curing of despondency. You let, you let worry go on unchecked. I now know one thing, you will be very down in the dumps. You'll be despondent because why? 
this is going to end badly. It's going to be the worst possible case scenario. What, 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 did, what did the guy say? Worry is faith in the negative. Trust in the unpleasant. I believe it's going to be unpleasant. Assurance of disaster. Confident this is going to be disastrous. And belief in defeat. But when peace, this double peace comes, despondency goes. You're no longer depressed, cast down. Woe is me. You have every reason, brother and sister, to be rejoicing in the Lord. Peace. Circumstances haven't changed. The things are still there. But the despondency is gone. All of these things will keep and guard the heart from worry. When everything is screaming around you to be anxious, it is then that you will stop playing that what-if game. Now, let's look at the source of this peace for our worry. And to me, this is, the, this is the highlight from this text. The source of this peace for our worry. Where does it come from? Now, you may be tempted, you may be tempted to think that it comes from you. After all, it does say, does it not, that the mind that stayed on God has this perfect peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. But I must hasten to point out that the source of this peace that calms our worry and our fear, restores brightness to our testimony once again, is not in our ability to fix our minds upon God. I want to say it again for emphasis. It is not in our ability to stay our minds upon God. In its absolute best state, best state, our faith, which is all about looking to the Lord, setting our mind on things above and not on things on the earth, in its best state, it's imperfect. It's flawed. None of us have perfect faith. If we did, we'd be in heaven. And if this peace to overcome worry has to come from my ability to have confidence in God, then we're all in a boatload of trouble. Note that whose mind is stayed. If you want to Underline that word or circle it, it would be good. The Hebrew word is in the passive tense. It means there is an outside force that is doing the staying. It's not me. I haven't worked it up. I haven't made a resolution that I am going to stay my mind upon God comes from without. It's not our power that has the wherewithal to deal with this worry and this anxiety. That's why you say, I've tried, but I can't. 
You're dead right. You can't. It's the power of God. This remedy for our worry is God's remedy, not ours. I want to tell you that God alone has the power to keep you in perfect peace, to guard your heart and mind from anxiety. Now, you may come to me and with all of your fretting and all your anxiety and your worry about something, and I may, in so many words, however graciously, kindly, gently I may say it, but it all comes down to this. I will tell you, stop worrying about it. When did that ever work? Telling you to stop worrying about it. When did that ever work? You can read a whole lot of books on how to deal with anxiety and worry and fear. You can read many good and helpful things. You can also read a lot of rubbish. But for all your reading and all your sharing with people the thing that's worrying you, there will be perfect peace that will keep your heart and mind only if God keeps it. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. How does he do it? How does God do this? It's his work. How does he stay our heart and mind? How does he stay our mind upon him? when our worry puts it on something else. First off, he keeps the mind in peace by a supernatural operation of his power upon our mind in the midst of the trial. It's something supernatural. You cannot explain it. God has to do it. You can't do it. If his grace does not come in and sort out the wrong thinking in your mind, it's not going to happen. This is grace. Grace is not human-based. It doesn't come from within us. It's a gift that God gives. And He must calm the mind, calm the heart. It's supernatural. You see, that, that, that takes a whole lot of load off my heart and mind. God, you must do this. I don't have the power People tell me, my husband tells me, my wife tells me, my kids tell me, don't worry, Dad, don't worry, Mom. Well, I'm still worrying. I've tried, but I keep it up. Well, what has to happen is God has to move. You're really dependent upon God, aren't you? It doesn't happen apart from Him. Go ahead and read all the books. Listen to the sermons about worry. Replay this one over and over again in your mind. But I will tell you this. If God does not supernaturally exercise His power upon your mind, His grace upon your whole situation where you change your thinking, you can listen to this sermon a thousand times over and you won't stop worrying. God must do it. There are times when the Lord just comes and says, Peace, be still. Just like He did on the water, He does to the soul. Peace, be still. And like it was on the Sea of Galilee, after Jesus said that, what does it say? 
and there was a great calm. How do you explain that? He'd been worried for weeks about it. Nothing changed, but now there's a great calm. Why? God stepped in and stayed your mind upon him. He brings peace, moreover, to the heart and mind by his acts of providence. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, God will step into the situation that's got you so troubled and just change course and it all goes away. That's nice when that happens. So much of what we fear, the vast majority of it, never comes to pass anyway. But when you're worrying, you certainly think that's what's going to happen, but it never does happen. But there are those times when the Lord just, He does something, His providence works, and the thing that was really you were afraid of and fretting about, it just goes away. And how happy you are when that happens. But brothers and sisters, normally, God usually removes our worry by bringing our hearts to believe and rest on what He has written in His Word. Faith in this Word, in God's promises, that's how God normally works. Trust, verse 4, Trust ye in the Lord Jehovah, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. What God has written about Himself, my mind is stayed on Thee. It stayed upon God, and now I'm looking at His wisdom, I'm looking at His power, I'm looking at His faithfulness to me, I'm looking at His promises, I'm looking at His unchangeable love. And how can you not look at that and not find yourself, what am I worried about? Have you asked yourself that question anywhere along the meeting tonight? What in the world am I worried about? That man up there is telling me about this great God in glory who's full of grace, who's full of wisdom and full of power. Why should I be worrying? Why should I be afraid? It's so silly and it's so sinful. What's happened? God has brought us to the book that reveals Him. It brings us... He removes our worry by bringing us to what his heart to, to our hearts by what his word says about us individually about us you get a view of what God says about you in the word you're brought to the truth well I, I'm his child and he will never leave me nor forsake me as we sang tonight I'm special to him and he sees me worrying about this Know how tenderly he will deal with me. And he won't cast me off because I'm worrying. I'm his child. I need not fear. You read in his word about what God has written about your circumstances. Go back to the book. What does he say about your circumstances? I don't care what they are. What does he say about them? They're my circumstances. They're my doing. 
and I know what I'm doing. What God has written about Christ. I have a shepherd, and he's good. And he will lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will cause me to lie down beside the still waters. Oh, brothers and sisters, don't let that truth you know so well just stick in your mind and forget about the reality of it. What he says about our good shepherd, he can be trusted with every circumstance. He will not lead me down a wrong path. He will not do that. He will lead me to rest. Rest. That's an interesting word. Rest. It's not something you try to do. It's something you do. You rest. We go and lie down to rest. We lay our entire weight upon a recliner or a bed or a couch, whatever it is. We lay our entire weight down and then we rest. Can I tell you tonight that Christ and Christ alone is the pillow for your worried mind? He is the pillow, as some preacher put it, amidst the billows. Jesus Christ was telling us something when he was asleep on the ship while it was raging on storm on the Sea of Galilee. He wasn't worried, nor would he ever worry, but it was a lesson for us. He's the pillow, you know. When you go to bed tonight and you put your head on that pillow, I want you to think of Jesus Christ being your pillow in the midst of all your billows, you can rest in him. Now, closing quickly, the path to experiencing this cure for our worry. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee. It's God alone that can do it. But that does not preclude our responsibility in all of this. I have not been preaching tonight Please don't think so. Let go and let God. God brings peace to those who look off unto Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. God keeps in perfect peace those who cast not away their confidence in the Lord. In verses 3 and 4, the prophet is saying that we should never let any calamity, any adversity, any persecution, any poverty, any trial of any kind prevent us from placing our entire confidence in the Lord Jehovah, the Rock of Ages. It is the mind that is confident in Him that will have perfect peace. So where will you get that? What's your responsibility and what's my responsibility in this? I must go to his word. I must go to his word. I must go to his word. It's there where I will see my God revealed and his truth revealed and that will be that light that shines in the midst of my dark, dreading worry. 
I've got a responsibility in this. I've got to go to God in prayer. Lord, I believe all that man said tonight. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe your grace is sufficient to kill my worry tonight before I walk out of this sanctuary. Before I walk out, do you believe God can do that? Sure you do. Up here. He can. He can. You know what God has done tonight? He's simply taken you and brought you to old truths in his word. To kill your worry. So, should we be going out tonight as singing people? Arresting people? Because you have nothing to worry about. That's great, brothers and sisters. You have nothing to worry about. God's got it all. And all he says is, trust me. I just want you to trust me. I'll take care of you. Hallelujah. What a Savior. God write His Word on our hearts for His namesake. Let's bow our heads for a moment in prayer. Lord, as we close, we, we confess freely our best efforts in expounding Thy truths on this very real and troubling issue are feeble at best. We need thy Holy Spirit to come and bring the truth home to the heart. We hate worrying, our God. We see what it does to us and what it does to others, how it dishonors thee, how it opens the doors for Satan's attacks. In thy tender mercy we pray that thou wilt come and stay our minds upon thee and give us the grace to make use of every means of grace for that to happen. Send us out, Lord, with much lighter hearts than we may have come in with. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.